Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. Boy, I tell you what, we have a we have a winner for longest distance travel this week. You win. I don't know if we count you from Italy, we go all the way back that far, or do we go to Iowa? So stateside, Iowa wins, Italy, as far as a global audience. But we have some people listening from Italy. Last week, I want to tell you, by the way, you've reached uh, Sundays with Dr. Sean, the Collision of Faith and Politics, and I'm Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor. And... But last week, uh, and I just looked, and sure enough, we had somebody from Bahrain listening last week. Yeah, that's really crazy. It's really awesome. And welcome to the folks up north of New York. We have New York joining us in Ohio and all across the country and, and uh, all across the world. And the Brussels group, and I tell you, the Belgian book group, they all get together on Monday and listen. And they uh, apparently I need to get her in writing this book I keep talking about. They're like, look, we're going to do that at our next book club. I said, when do you meet again? When do you meet again? And they said, next week. I said, oh, I, I don't think I'd get it done that fast. So I hope everybody's Thanksgiving was great. I'm going to talk about something similar to Thanksgiving, um, and I call it hashtag thanks living. So this is my thanks living message. If you listened on uh, – how many listened on Wednesday? So if you listen on Wednesday, some of this you're going to hear, uh, some of it will be similar, uh, but, but we're going to, we have expanded the first part for today, and then some other things I'm going to talk about in the end. So um, this is the thing. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of a guy by the name of Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N, Jim Rohn, God rest his soul, one of the greatest men ever to walk this planet. He really and truly uh, dramatically impacted my life. His faith was uh, so in Idaho boy, you know. His faith was so real, so basic. Like Zig Ziglar, also one of my mentors. I got to meet him several times and uh, spend private time with both of these great men. And uh, their faith was unreal. It was just real and practical and every day. Well, this, uh, I was so moved by uh, one of the things that Jim Rohn did uh, a good life contains these six essentials that I decided I would customize that for me and, and for my life. And then I worked on that. And that's what he encouraged you to do is, hey, let's don't don't just go by what I'm saying. What six things can you do to make your life better? And as a as a Christian or a follower of the way, you know, we all uh, we all have to decide 
right, how we're going to live our life. We, we either decide to live it better and awesome and wonderful, or we live it in a way that is uh, self-destructive. So thank you. Also, we have someone listening from Oklahoma. I think that's the first time. I don't think I've ever, that I know of. Yeah, the population is well represented. So we're we're glad to have you. Thank you for joining us, Oklahoma. And uh, so, so he encouraged me to do that. And and I thought, well, this will be easy. Six things I can do. Six things standing on my head. And this was pre-crash, so I wasn't, you know, I, I had a I could do many many things at one time, fairly well. And so when I did, I really found out it was a lot harder than I thought it was. It was a lot more difficult than I thought it was. So tonight's message provides the six steps to greater thanks living. Thanks living. There's a story behind that. So what I'm going to do is provide you with the ultimate foundation of being thankful for what you do have and for what you no longer have in your life. Ooh, that's a toughie. That's a toughie because, you know, a lot of times we think about if I just had this, I'd be happy. But sometimes God answers prayers in this amazing, unique way by taking things away that we think we want. Empty spaces. You know, in art, one of the things I'm learning uh, in photography is empty space is important. Empty space is sometimes what's needed to point to what you're trying to show. And I didn't used to do that. You know, when I first got into it uh, a few years ago, uh, photography, I filled up the whole frame with my subject. No empty space. If I shot an eagle, that's all you saw was the eagle. And if I, if I was really lucky, you'd see just the eagle eye, you know, because that's what I want. That's always what I want to focus on. You know, I'm kind of panicky over taking pictures. I love taking pictures of eagles. So I would do that, and then there would be no art to that. There would be not a whole lot of enjoyment. Maybe it was more like a technical, a technical photograph rather than a, an art photograph. So I learned that empty space is sometimes what you need to point to the beauty of the subject. The beauty in your life, empty spaces. Sometimes the best step is to find your way to remembering all of the things that you could get rid of in your life to realize how much you have now to be thankful for. Now, look, there's a few people in the back who would like to see me get rid of some stuff out of my house. I think they would like to see that. We do have, yeah, yeah. I don't think you have to guess who they are. I have a lot of stuff, but it's important stuff to me. The problem with the brain injury, uh, four years ago I was in a, a deadly car crash. And so I sustain a brain injury. So I forget what I have. So that's why I keep getting the same thing for Christmas and birthdays. And they act like, you know, here, we got this. Free. Oh, I've been wanting one of those. You know, really what it is is they just wrap up what I already had and give it to me again. Doyle, Doyle is back there calculating. You know, I could do that. I could do that. He's making it funny, but I could do that. Yeah. He says, for the radio audience, what do you mean could, Doyle says. You and all your hair. Boy, he's got a head of hair, doesn't he? So empty space is uh, sometimes, you know, to find out what you have, you got to go through and say, well, is this, should I keep this? Is this something I should keep or, or is it something I should get rid of? Do you remember ever wanting something so bad and you thought it was good? You really thought it was good and then you got it and you realized, no, not so good. Not so good. Wanted this for so long. Turned out it wasn't good. Me too. Right, right? I'm not going to say the name because I don't get free advertising. 
every week apparently I say a lot of product names. I don't get any props for it. And uh, people, uh, well, I'll have to tell you some other time the story about the watch. I was mentioning this watch. Well, I will say them because they were very supportive. Uh, this company, Invicta, it's the world's largest watch company. I didn't even know anything. Didn't I hadn't really heard much about them. And I'm kind of into watches. So uh, one of my buddies, police buddies, sends me a picture of his watch, the thin blue line watch, you know, because so many police officers are getting killed. And so I talked about it on my Wednesday show, and we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of listeners on the uh, on the Wednesday show, and all these people were buying this thin blue line watch, and eventually the, the managers are saying, what's the deal with all of a sudden with you people with these watches? Where did you hear about this? We haven't even advertised this watch. And uh, they said, this guy, the ninja pastor, he keeps talking about it on his radio show. So they they made a watch. They had a watch for me. Now, the watch is giant. Is this watch not – you could tell time at Mars, you know, with this watch. But they heard I was a little bit of a big guy, but it's not the watch I have on now. The watch I have on now is the child's play compared to that one. But, uh, you know, it says the day, spells out the day, the number, and then the year. Uh, and that helps me because I don't have chronology now. So uh, it's just kind of funny how that happened. So that worked out. So I should – what do I need? Uh, cameras. I should talk about cameras? Cameras. A what? And Bibles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I have enough Bibles. I have a problem. There were things worth things to collect, right? The Bibles. <laughs> I don't have all the Bibles. I would like to have all the Bibles. So sometimes, uh, you know, I, I can identify that. You know, you really wanted something, and you, you just, you really thought it was for you, and, and you thought it would really make a difference in your life. Um, then you got it, and, you, and it didn't. Sometimes the greatest gifts, once you clean out your life, you clean out the stuff, the clutter in your life, the things you thought would be such a blessing they weren't and so you you repurpose them you give them to somebody else you re-gift uh or if it's really a bad thing it turns out it's really really a bad thing not just for you but for anybody you get rid of that you take it to the curb and and that's what the uh the garbage men do is they take away the garbage as christians or followers of the way i talk a lot about i don't know if others do but taking your junk to the foot of the cross that's that's where you take your stuff, all that junk, you just take it. Uh, but our problem is, is we go to the foot of the cross and we're so used to carrying that sack of garbage, we go to turn around and we think ooh, we're like Linus and his, is it Linus with the blanket? Linus and his blanket and so then we want to go back and we get it because that's just what we do because we're used to it. That's our normal. This is probably a, a very different message than you're accustomed to hearing from me, but I hope that it, it will resonate with you. Uh, and maybe if it does, maybe you, maybe you know somebody out there that you could share this with once we're finished. About two to three minutes after, the engineers have it all ready to go and compressed and all of that. So it's it's a pretty neat thing. So you can share that. Um, a good life contains these six essentials, the values that make up the foundation of a life well lived. Wouldn't you like to live? And then at the end of your life, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I think about what people are going to say as they're filing by. He looks fat, braces. You know, his teeth are still crooked. Why do you get braces? Your teeth are still crooked. My goodness, I've never looked this close. His nose is really big. Uh, I'm going to have notes put here on my chest. Uh, the nose on dead people always looks bigger, you know, something like that, or whatever they're going to talk about. I did have braces. I wear my retainers, you know. 
Television makes you look fatter. Exactly. I'm going to put all kinds of notes all around me. Um, you what? I'm a little puffy. Anything, anything, you know. It's the suit. You know, the lighting is bad here. I'm not going to care. I'm going to be perfect. My teeth will be perfect. That will be perfect. won't be hurting anymore. But the values that make up a foundation of a life well lived, you know, I have to think, I do, I do. if I'm being honest, if I'm being real with you and the radio audience, I, I have to say, I do wonder what people will say. I'm one of those people with no self-concept, poor to know. Uh, I've never, I meet people that I went to high school with and, or that I worked with, and they say all these nice things to me. I think, really? Really? I just kind of shake my head. Uh, somebody told me one time, uh, a couple people told me that I was stuck up in high school. And I thought to myself, hey, you, you, you don't think you, I just don't think you really know who I am. I think you got me mistaken for somebody. I've never been like that. And then I stormed off in a huff. Just kidding. I didn't really do that. A life well lived. I'll I tell you what, I don't know. I don't know how you define a life well lived. I think that's really the start, isn't it? You got to define it. Somebody uses a word. You ever be around somebody that uses a word all the time? You never really know what that word is. Who knows Princess Bride? That, you know, inconceivable. You keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means, you know? Well, what I do, what I do is I actually, uh, I secretly using my fancy little phone, which has all the knowledge in the, in the secular world right there, and I look it up on the sly, you know, whatever word they're using. And sometimes I find out they use the wrong word. But I, but I am interested to find out new information, new things. That really gets me going. I, I like to learn. One of the things about having a brain injury now, as opposed to where I was before, is the challenge of learning is very different. It's just a different process. It's a much more uh, physically and emotionally painful experience because I think that I can do stuff and then I go to do it. You know, I used to speak Hebrew, used to write and read Hebrew, and then crash happens and I've forgotten all of the Hebrew. Not forgotten, it's just erased my brain. My ability to learn another non-native language is gone. So I have to think about the different way, but I like learning new stuff. To me, that's part of a life well lived, and maybe this will resonate with you. But one thing I have come to learn is that, and this is probably no surprise to, to many of you, uh, and, and some of you have a lot of money, and some of you have very little money. Um, so this won't be a surprise to you either way. But uh, a life well lived, the, the values, the, the foundation of life well lived, this is no surprise to most of us here. Money isn't one of them. Money is not one of those foundational values. The ultimate expression of life is not a paycheck. I, I'll be honest with you. I, my self-worth was really tied up in how much money I could make. Not because I wanted to brag to anybody, but I, that was my self-worth, you know. I grew up, you know, you took care of your family. It didn't, didn't matter what you, what, what you had to do if you had to work two, three, four jobs, if you had to get up at three in the morning and, and work until seven at night. You did what you had to do, and, and I did that. And I feel, I feel proud that I did that. But the fact of the matter is the ultimate expression of life, not a paycheck. But but also, and I guess maybe some it's related, is, you know, what's what's the car, everybody? For me, BMW motorcycles, that was the thing. I remember watching, no, I remember watching the Tour du Pont. We happen to have the organizer of the Tour du Pont here. Um, the Tour du Pont bicycle race. I was watching that, and I saw these guys on these motorcycles. 
And one guy's facing backwards with the camera. The other guy's riding the motorcycle. They're dressed different than motorcyclists I'd ever seen. These motorcycles were whisper quiet and smooth. They had to be smooth, right? You can't ride, no offense, you can't ride a Harley and video. You know, the video's shaking. And But this bike, and I thought, man, that's just so fascinating. And I was in the motorcycle, so I said, man, I'm going to really be doing something when I get myself to the place where I can get me a BMW motorcycle. And the first BMW motorcycle I ever got sat in a barn for 10 or 11 years. It was old and it was it was really terrible. And I fixed it all up and turned it into a beautiful bike. And I had it for sale about 15 seconds and some folks drove all the way from North Carolina to buy it. They were so excited to buy it. And then I had a series of BMW motorcycles. Boy, I'm telling you, but boy, this one bike. Oh, my friend, he's gone to his reward now. Great man. Uh, uh, he was he was 70-something when I met him. And he rode the fastest motorcycle BMW ever made, the most powerful motorcycle ever. So I said, man, i got to get me one of those. So then that became my new goal. So I worked real hard, and, and I was single at the time. So I worked real hard, and I got myself that motorcycle. Well, I'm telling you, I'm so proud. I had that motorcycle for sale for about 15 seconds. And folks, uh, you know, people, I just take care of stuff. And so that's what I wanted. But I'm telling you, it wasn't, it wasn't, as much as I loved BMW motorcycles and motorcycles in general, that wasn't the ultimate expression of life. And and for you, maybe it's a Mercedes or uh, or whatever kind of car. I don't know. You know, whatever kind of car you like. I'll tell you what else, too. The ultimate expression of life. Now, somebody in Tennessee is going to disagree with me right now. One single ticket holder won the 420-some million dollar Powerball. I hope it's my friend John. John and Diane, if you're listening, I hope you broke down and bought a ticket and you won. That's why we haven't heard from you. You used to be good friends of ours. You used to be good friends of this uh, gathering, and we sure miss them. But the ultimate expression of life is not a million dollars or a fat bank account or a big giant home that everybody makes fun of. Make, they don't make fun of it. They're, they they ogle it. They they uh, People that don't have that kind of home, they look at it and they, well, you know, who's going to clean all this, right? First thing. We always say, yeah, who's going to clean all this? You know, I'm not cleaning all this. This is too much. It's too much. Too big. Too big. You have a house that big, you know, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is a secret, but you pay people like greeners cleaners to clean the home. That's product placement if you didn't know. <laughs> so the big home, the fat bank account, the yeah, really, exactly. Uh, the million dollars expression of life. I've had a lot of money before. I've had a lot of money. I've had no money. Now, I will say, I will say, I'm willing to give having a lot of money another try. I will I will do it. I'll give it another try, see if I can do better this time. But it's not that. I know for a fact I've been on both sides of it. The ultimate expression of life is living a good life. Living a good life. Man, what is a good life? Wouldn't it be important for us to define what that is? Not just corporately or, you know, what we all generally agree overall, but I'm talking about for you personally. Wouldn't it be important for you as a human being? I know it was for me. Jim Rohn brought me to tears. The sweetest man. He was, God, I, I don't, I, you know, God must have just hugged his neck for I don't know how long because, boy, you didn't see it coming. Jim Rohn, you couldn't, you didn't see the, get me choked up. Hmm. I remember Jim Rohn and, uh, Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins. Say what you want about Tony Robbins. The man is a Bible thumper. Uh, they were doing a show, and I happened to be there. I was privileged to be there. I had the elite tickets, you know. I really wanted to prove how I did what I did. And so I went there, and I remember, boy, oh, boy. 
Zig Ziglar started off and his daughter had just passed away literally four days before. He had just buried his daughter four days before. Suddenly, shocker. And uh, there were 18,000 people there. You might have been there. Zig Ziglar gave the invitation and thousands of people. Now, Zig Ziglar was not there to, to preach a sermon or give an invitation. But the man gave the most powerful message, gospel message I've ever heard in my life. And then he gave an invitation. He looked to the promoter and he said, hey, would this be all right by you? And Peter Thorne said, did like that. And man, I'm telling you what, it was amazing to watch people weep. Successful business people, successful salespeople, successful people, every area. They might have some ideas of what the six ultimate expressions of life are, the what good living is. But these people, they were stopped in their tracks by a little, little Yazoo City, Mississippi, Mississippi, I'm sorry I said that wrong, Mississippi, fellow from Mississippi named Zig Ziglar gave an invitation. And then everybody that followed him, boy, they laid it on. And Tony Robbins, man, say what you want about Tony Robbins. He knows scripture, and he knows in whom he believes. And I'm telling you, every single one of them were wealthier. Tony Robbins owns not one but two islands. He owns, he owns one of the top resorts in the world. It's a private resort. costs you tens of thousands of dollars a night to go there, and they choose who they let come in. I mean, it's wealth I can't imagine. And he kept saying over and over and over, it's not money, folks. It's not money. It's not. I got all that. It's not an island. I thought it was an island, so I bought an island. It's not that. Living a good life. Man, we better define that, haven't we? Here's what we must ask of ourselves constantly. What for me would be a good life? And I'll tell you what else, too. You have to go over this list. Whatever, however you make the list. Maybe make, maybe write it in pencil. Don't write it in Sharpie, and Lord knows, don't get it tattooed on you. That would be expensive and painful and a little gaudy. Just keep going over this list over and over every day. In every way, you, you make the list, and then you, you hone the list, and you polish it, and you revise it. Maybe this list for you... Include such things as spirituality. People, you know, they hate when I say something like spirituality. But for me, spirituality starts with a capital S. Right? Spirituality, capital S. Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. God, Adonai Elohim. And it starts with that. Spirituality. Economics. Maybe it's not about being rich. Maybe it's about being smart with your money. Whatever amount of money you have. The Bible has a lot to say about that. People don't like to talk about it, but it does. How about health? Man, I know about health, right? I know all about health. I'm I'm really uh I have to say I I've I've learned some lessons about health and health care in this country. I'm gonna give this to her. Whoa, must be a softball player now. No, it hit Durl and it's pretty hair. But it would have bounced off because nothing gets through that. No, the beautiful hair, not the not the hard head. Health, I've learned a lot. Man, I'll tell you what, uh, I never really thought about it. I was in phenomenal physical condition. Um, I was in a very elite group of people uh, years ago, and and there wasn't much I couldn't do. I mean, I, I just physically, if there was a physical challenge, woohoo, bring it on. Let's do it. Not to brag. I don't mean that to brag, but, I mean, just physically, I was in such physical 
I was a physical specimen. I could do just about anything I wanted for as long as I wanted. I was one of those runners and talkers. You ever you ever run across those people? You hate, don't you hate them? You know, I was that guy, mile ten. So, uh, what do you think of the scripture for this week for church? Uh, I, I think, and you know, I give a dissertation while I'm running and walking. You know, can't do that anymore. I try to run, I'll fall over. So, health is a big thing. Maybe, maybe it's not so much about uh, perfect health. Man, I've been going to the hospital for two and a half months visiting my brother, and I have to tell you. It breaks my heart to say that I think we're the only relatives that go visit the family. It's a whole floor. It's a whole hospital floor where these critical care patients are. And we're the only ones we ever see. My, my sister-in-law, Lynette, and I, we always talk about it. We thought going on the weekend. Well, maybe it's because we go Monday through Friday. We go during the day. Maybe everybody's at work. Then we went on Saturdays, and we still don't see anybody. Let me tell you the truth. It kind of breaks our heart. Man, when your health gets that far, what? That's a big thing when you miss out on stuff. We've got people in this room that have had cancer. We've got people in this room right now that have cancer. We've got people that have fought all kinds of health things, all kinds of things, fought and won, fought and won, fought and won. Health is important. I think you better put it in there, good or bad. Relationships and recreation. Man, I almost I almost didn't follow on with this one because I thought, well, that sounds kind of uh, surfacey. Relationships and recreation. Why would they be together? Man, I'll tell you what. You ever have just a really good friend? You ever have a really, really good friend? Best friend. Just somebody, you know, you can talk to all the time. You just talk to all the time. It doesn't matter. Or you don't talk for two years. You talk again, it's like you never did stop talking. Like you never skipped a beat. Recreation. Kind of silly. Some folks say, why are people out there going to the park all the time? Why do they go to the park all the time? Why do they join this softball league or this soccer league? You'd be a soccer league, right? Softball, more like. You know, why do they do that? Why do they, why do they go join the basketball league? I remember one time when I was uh, – I played soccer uh, on this team, this, this company. I, I worked for a global company at one time many, many years ago. And on a lark, I decided I was pretty good at soccer, you know, and on a lark, I decided, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try out for their international team, their their top team. Why not? Be fun. There's two things I realized. I was a lot older than I thought I was, but I got on the team. I was actually on the team. And uh, I also realized I can't stop as fast as I used to because I crashed into a guy, broke some ribs, broke some of his ribs. I felt bad. He was on my team, by the way. Yeah. Run and get that guy. There's the ball. Go good. Recreation. Man, there's something to be said for that. So what would constitute a good life? And and Jim Rohn, he this this list, I, I love I love it. I love it. I've customized it for me, but we'll just start and we'll go through it. Productivity. Number one on the list, productivity. We we had a great conversation talking about how you what you do in your business. I was fascinated by that. I'm an entrepreneurial guy. By you two could go on for hours, you know. Uh I'm an entrepreneurial guy. That's what I like. There's an entrepreneur right back there. You know, entrepreneurial people, man, that's that's me. That's how I think. People say, well, that's such a risk. I never thought of it that way. Did you ever get tired of the new things I came up with? Right? Hey, let's get into this business. You know, it never scared me. It never did scare me. I said, well, we'll make it work. It's all right. We'll get something good out of it. But I love to produce. I, I didn't realize that about myself. 
love to produce. I love to be able to see what, what I'm doing, you know, is resulting in something. And somebody sent me a nice, very nice word of encouragement, uh, a couple of words of encouragement today. And they'll never know how much it means to me. But, but one of them said, hey, you're doing exactly what God has for you to do, you know. And that touched my heart. It really touched my heart. Because sometimes it's hard. You know, I'm a live audience guy. I'm not so much a radio audience guy. So I think I'm just talking to the air, you know. I get a lot of great feedback, favorite audience in the world. I've gotten to speak all over the country to huge audiences and small audiences. This is my favorite audience. And it's not because they feed me home-cooked food. Man, it's got a lot to do with it. It's got a lot to do with it. You won't be happy if you don't produce. That's the bottom line. You won't be happy as someone goes for the food again. Got to love Wes, right? He took that as a cue. Oh, your vitamins. Oh, that's good. Look. The game of life is not a game of rest. It's just not. It's just not. Now, I'm a guy who struggles to get four hours of sleep a night. We've tried everything. I've tried everything. I've tried everything. I've tried staying up so late, I pass out. I tried that for about three years. And I'm a slow learner now, so I picked up on after three years. You know that doesn't work. I just I learned that doesn't work. It doesn't work, but rest is important because you know what? You got to be got to be rested in life. You got to be rested, but it's not the number one thing. I fail at resting well. I'm going to be real honest with you. I fail at resting well, but we got to rest, but that's not the number one thing. Number one thing is productivity. And I do a pretty good job at whatever I do. I I try to I try to string it together. I hang in the batter's box. I try to do as good as a good a job as I can. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to embarrass my family. Don't want to embarrass, you know, Dr. Fry and Dr. Fraser and you know, Dr. Moen and all, all the great uh, professors I had in seminary. I don't want to embarrass them by, by stinking at what I do, stinking the place up. I don't want to do that. So I do I do all right, different things I've done in my life. But you know what? What I do well, I do 100% better if I've been well-rested. And you know what sometimes I've learned? I've learned sometimes if you work real hard and you're real productive, you have an easier time of resting. If you're productive, you get a you get a better night's sleep if you know you've been productive. You've done something productive. Yeah, definitely rest, but rest only long enough to provide and gather the strength that you need to get back after it and be productive again. Get back and productive. We're human beings. We're not meant to be layabouts. Even after we retire, this guy here has. You talk about words. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Retire, I don't think he understands what that means. Very productive. I don't think that would be a problem with you. We're meant by God to produce, folks. We're meant by God to produce. This is not something that just comes out of nowhere. This is what we're meant to do. We're meant to work. I think you'd like to give retire a try. See if you see if you like that, right? Some of us would really like to give retire. My 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 friends up in uh, northern New York that are listening right now, God bless you. Hey, hello to Alaska. Welcome, welcome. We've missed you. That's kind of cool. Have somebody from Alaska listening. Awesome. One of my favorite states. Most incredible places. We're meant by God to produce. You know, my friend in upstate New York uh, listening, he feeds his family. He and his wife, they grow a garden, and that's what sustains them. They they take in food. They gather food. They they sow and they reap and they tend and they do all these things and then they comes time for the harvest they do that it's work it's hard work but they love it it's called supply side economics i was just you took the words right out of my mouth that's what god meant us to do 
That's what God meant us to do. What's the reason for the seasons and the seeds and the soil and the sunshine, the rain and the miracle of life? What's the reason for all that? It's to see what you can do with it. What can you do with it with God's help to try your hand to see what you can do? That's what it's for. How about number two, if you're writing these down, good friends. Good friends. How many in here have great friends? How many of you are great friends? Some of you are slow to lift your hand. A bunch of people are asleep, so I don't know. I'm just kidding, radio audience. They're not really asleep. I crack off around people fall asleep. It's, you only have to do that once, people stay awake. I'm just kidding, Loretta. I, I've never done that. Not yet. <laughs> Friendship. I'll tell you what, it's one of the greatest support systems, the natural support system. Friendship. I have good friends, has a hard time making friends. Really has a hard time making friends. It makes me sad. It makes me sad. But we'll try to make a friend and and then friend will turn out to be a lunatic or poisonous or toxic or more trouble than they're worth and then you know, you're all the time trying to fix the other person. I feel bad for that. But friendship, man, I have I I have the great pleasure. I count all of you as my great friends. But I'm telling you, I have some friends in my life, one of my best friends I've ever had right there. I've been I've been so fortunate. So fortunate to have great friends. I had a conversation with with one of the best friends anybody could ever have. Now, you don't want to be around when he and I are talking because Chuck and I, oof, you just don't know what's going to come out. It's just it's it's organic <laughs> and spontaneous. But you know, I've had friends a long time. But you know what I've learned? You've got to work at it. No friendship happens automatically. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen automatically. Come on, folks. Anybody thinks that happens? Well, I didn't. I didn't turn into a friendship. Well, guess what? You got to call the person. You got to text the person. You got to email the person. You got to go see the person. You got to say, "Hey, how you doing, man? It was so good to meet you the other day." Now, if you were at the police station or at the rehab facility, you probably don't want to do that. Pick somebody from somewhere else. But, but you know what? You have to do some things to make your friendships work. Right? The apostles and the, the, the Talmudim, they. They were some were friends. Some they didn't get along. I don't know if you guys know this. You ever pick up on the Bible? You read the Hebrew version of the Bible. You realize they had knocked down, drag out fights a lot of times. They did not get along. Not all of them, but they worked it out. They figured out a way. You have to do some things to make it work. You have to invest friendships. You have to make investments in people. You have to make investments in friends, and it's extraordinary and it's benefit. It's so worth it. The return is beautiful. As I said, I've had some great friends over my 51 years of living. Some since kindergarten, to be honest with you. My buddy Eric, been friends with him since kindergarten. It's it's just absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You know, some I've just been friends with since fifth grade. What an important year, right? Fifth grade. Some I've been friends with since fifth grade. And so close. Such good friends. And you know what? Some only since a year or so ago. Isn't that something? How the time doesn't really matter, it doesn't make a difference. That that I'm just going to give you a little secret. This is a church secret right here. Free of charge, no cost, or obligation to you. You do not get a free set of Ginsu knives. However, oh, I did another product thing. I know they're not going to pay me. Although you would love it if they'd send me some knives, wouldn't you? I've never seen anybody use one knife for everything. One knife Wanda back there. Unbelievable. So that's not a real name. And so... uh Man, I'll tell you, 
I've learned this. This is a church secret. This is a church secret right here. Free, free. Like I said, it's free of charge. Man, when you walk inside of a church, what do you feel? Do you feel friendship and welcoming? Or do you feel, because some church, let's be honest, look, we went into a church at Grubby in Marysville, Ohio. We went into a church one time. We were grubby and nasty. It was about to fix in the snow. It had already snowed. We're talking about Ohio, so it had already snowed probably two feet already. And uh, But when in this church, I'm telling you, I've never felt warmer and the presence of living God more powerfully than in that place. Instantaneously. Some dude didn't have no arms at all. He had hooks and articulating prosthesis. It was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. You know? Got both of his arms uh, ripped off in a farming accident. He was the happiest dude ever. Yeah, people raise their raise their arms. He'd be raising his hook. And look, there are a lot of people didn't bring their Bible, you know. Able bodied people didn't bring their Bible. Man, I understand him now. It's hard for me to hold. This guy's got his Bible. And he's turning the pages with his hooks. Darnest thing I ever saw. Man, you felt welcome there. Didn't want to leave. Well, they served cookie and, and tea and apple cider and stuff afterwards and cake and stuff. That keeps the folks around, but they're just such nice people. And I thought, man, I've never met people like this. These are the nicest people ever. That, that You go to a church, I don't care how big the church is, you better get a feeling of friendship. You better get a feeling somebody cares about me here. They're not they're not making this up. They're not pretending. We've got so many programs in churches, don't we? See that? Church grows. I've been in some churches, they, they have like five technical advisors. You go in to speak and they have people swarm on you. I'm... I'm pop off around and back some people up. You know, they come up on you wanting to, you know, and then they're always surprised. Oh, you do? You really do carry a gun, you know? They're trying to lift your jacket and put you all speakered up. Like, yeah, I do, and it's loaded. So take it easy, buddy. Get a little friendly over there. I don't think the wires need to go there. I'm just saying, there's another church tip. Be friendly, man. Go to a friendly church. How about if you're in a church right now and it's not very friendly, man? Maybe maybe you put on the list, be more friendly. Be a friend more. Be friendlier. Great friends, they don't have to be in your life for a lifetime. Some of your best friends in your life, you have yet to meet. That's a fact. That's a fact. Some of your best friends, you've yet to meet. You won't meet them and you will not recognize them if you're not receptive to it. Listen, if your heart's not open. If you don't have the actual love of Christ in your heart, and you let it show. Nobody's going to want to approach you. You're just not. You're just another person. The thing that makes us incredible is the love of God emanating from us. Man, isn't that something? Man, there's no better. There's no better love. There's no better. There's no better thing. Great friends. You got to be open to them. You got to be open. You got to be receptive. Yeah. Social media. I'm all over social media. At the ninjapastor.com, or no, that's not what it is. It's that's Twitter. At the ninja pastor, uh, the ninja pastor on Instagram. I got Facebooks and all that stuff. I'm on it. Twitter. I was a late adopter. I'm such an early adopter on everything, but Twitter, I fought. You know why? They said 140 characters. I said I can do a lot of impressions, but I don't do 140. Anybody? No, 140 characters, I couldn't do it. I, 140, you know, I'm not even through my introduction. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
No, but I just I was a late adopter of Twitter. But you know what? I've met people on Twitter. I've met people on Facebook. That now, when I travel somewhere, you know, I'll say, hey, I'm going to be in your city. Boom, these people come up. They give you big hugs. You know the ones instantly that put a fake photo for the profile picture. They walk up to you. They don't look anything like it. I say, man, what are you doing? Sneaking up on me like that. you got to have a receptive heart. Some folks are still on your friend list, though. And you know what? Much like a garage, you're going to have a, you're going to have a, you might have a rusty bucket of bolts in your garage. Thing doesn't run right. The car doesn't run right. You know it's not the right car for you. You can't, can't trust it. You can't depend on it. And you're not a car fixer. You say, I sure do want a new car. But you know what? As long as that rusty clunker's in your garage, you're not going to pull a new car in there. It's just not going to happen. Friends are those wonderful people too. You know what? I don't just have skeletons in my closet. I have femurs just popping out. Femurs and ulnas and whatever other bones I can think of. I'm telling you, folks, i got whole femurs just popping out of my closets. And they know you. They know you. They know all your skeletons. They've been in that skeleton-filled closet with you a couple times in some bad situations. Yet they still like you. They still love you. They still care about you. Now, in terms of my world and executive protection, the description of a true friend kind of goes like this. If you were locked up unjustly on some hostile foreign soil, and you needed somebody to risk it all to come help you. Man, you need them to risk it all to come help you. And they come. That's your real friend. That's your real friend. That's a real friend. That's somebody who would come get you no matter what the cost is to them, even if it's their life. We've all got casual friends. We've all got casual friends. Friends who, if you called them, you know what they'd say? They'd be like this. Um, yeah, if you get back alive from that place where you are right now, I don't even want to say the name. Don't want to be associated. Tell you what, um, the armpit of the universe will just call it for a code name party to celebrate at your house. And if you could bring some food and some drink and maybe clean up, that would be awesome. Could I get a ride to your house for the party? You know? The point here is you've got to have both real friends and casual friends. Because you never know what casual friends going to turn into your great friends. But don't keep a bunch of casual friends on your list, on your list of friends that you have. Don't keep a bunch of casual friends that you know you don't care for that person. And you don't get along with that person. And there's, there's no value. You just got, They're toxic to you. Don't mess around. Don't keep them on that list. I'm going to tell you this. you got to have real and casual friends. you got to have both. But you know the difference when you see and experience a real friend versus a casual friend. Now, here's the secret. This is a church secret, but this is an everywhere secret. Here's a really big secret. Here's the thing. So do your friends. Your friends know the difference between a real friend and a casual friend. They know how you view them and their friendship, real or casual. How about number three, your culture? That's where you live. That's how you live where you live. It's the tapestry of your life, the language, the music, or lack thereof, right? My buddy Wes went to Israel. My friend Miss Charlotte, she went to Israel. Did you experience some culture? A little bit of culture, right? Now the enemy is trying to burn Israel down to the ground. They'll not win. They'll not win. God controls the fire. Good luck. Good luck. You done mess with the wrong country. But it's the language, the music, or lack thereof. Because if it's a bunch of rap music, I don't, I don't think music should go after rap, right? That should be wrong. Rap should be Christmas rap, but not, you know, and not a Christmas rap. Not that. It's the unique ceremonies, the family uh, or cultural ethnic traditions. You know, I love it when uh, we talked about Batardin, my friend Batardin from uh, Eka. His, his short name was Eka. 
and he's Mongolian. He was on the Mongolian basketball team for the Olympics. I think he was older than me, don't you think? That dude runs circles around me. He's still in incredible shape. He had young kids. He was the funnest dude. He was the funnest dude ever. You never did know what what Echo was going to come up with. He was just fun. We loved to bump into him in the hallway and just, you just never knew. You just never knew with him. He was the fun dude. And But he still, now he tried to feed us some food one time that kept getting passed to me because, I'm not eating this. As soon as he turns his back, you take it. Because it was a little weird. It's Mongolian beef, but the real Mongolian beef, not the Mongolian beef you get at the, you know, down the street. I'm talking about real stuff. And it was a little, little different. But it was still kind of fun. You know, I, I went and had dinner. And by dinner, I mean a seven-hour dinner at my Russian friends, right? We had a soccer game. Lev was on the soccer team, superstar soccer player. He was a great, fun manager. And, I, you know, he's been saying to me, you know, come back to the house. Come back to the house. Come, come, come. And come for dinner. Come for dinner. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll go for dinner. The soccer game finished at 730. He didn't live but five minutes from the house. I said, I said by 830, quarter to nine, I'm heading back to the rack. Give me some sleep. Ride my motorcycle home. Give me some sleep. Well, it was around three when the last course of dinner was served. And I'm telling you what, I was about to fall out. This old Sussex County boy couldn't keep up with these folks. And they were still going. But you know what? It was fun. I had fun. I had fun with these people, these ethnic traditions, Russian traditions that they had. It was really kind of cool. And all of that stuff, you know, whatever your tradition is, whatever your culture is, it's vitally important. Look, if you have a church culture, if you if you came up a certain way, you know, I know some people that came up and ultra fundamentalist, super, you know, really not, really not very nice uh, in church. It, w- it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. And you know what? They were scarred. They were hurt bad by it. People weren't nice. They weren't nice. It was not a good experience. I say you got to know the you got to know the experiences that that aren't good to carry on. You'll know them. You'll know them. You'll know the ones that hurt more than they help. You ever know anybody sarcastic? You know sarcastic sarcastic humor? What do they call it? Sardonic? Is that the same thing? Sardonic? Sarcastic? I'm going to look that up on my little phone. I'm going to do it now because I'm on the radio. But uh, So but you ever know somebody like that and the only person thinks it's funny what they're saying is them? It's not funny. Nobody feels better about it. But you know, some of the traditions, they bring vitality. And you know, when we're together with people from different cultures, it's fun. Except for Muslims. I don't think they fit in well in the West at all. That's a whole other sermon, or eight. But the bottom line is, is I'm just here to tell you, sometimes when folks from different cultures, they get together, you know? And it's fun. Good eating, good music, some. It's just fun. It's fun fun being with all that, that energy and that power, the influence. It, you think, man, if we can all get together, this is right, good. This is a good thing we can get along like this. Oh, let me tell you what. I love, love going. Uh, I, I do this thing. Uh, I'm going to be doing another one in January. It's a, it's a Jewish group. And I mean hardcore Jews, like real hardcore. But guess where they're from? Anybody? What? How do you know that? Ethiopia, Republic of Chad, Africa, South Africa. Uh, I got some from Nigeria. I room with a dude from Republic of Chad. He does not go to sleep ever. But it was fun. Come on, and they always want to look at my guns. You know, they're always like, 
you know, you really have guns. Come on, show me your guns. Come on. I said, dudes don't say that, you know. They long hug, too. They're too long for, for dudes. <laughs> some of the stuff I like, but some of that, that's not so good. But, man, I love being in their culture. I love being with them because you got the blend of African and, you know, but then they're they're Jewish and they're hardcore Jews, and they're fun. I love that, man. You gotta you gotta remember your culture, where you live. Look, I'm from Sussex County, Delaware. I may have a couple doctor degrees, but I, I'm from Sussex County. I'm a country boy. Then nothing makes me happier than being in my truck, riding down a country road, looking at deer and turkeys and sunrises and sunsets. And ooh, let me take a picture of that. You know what I mean? I love that. I love being out in nature. I love it. I'm a country boy. That's that's culture. Country's culture. Yeah, sure. You know what's part of our culture? I'm looking down to my right. I'm at this table. I, I swear, folks, if you're on the radio and you can't smell it, I don't know. We'll just get some smell vision or something. I have to ship it to you. There's a whole lot of food. Who made the soup? That was crazy good soup. I was tilting the thing. I was talking to you. You probably made an assumption about me. I thought, boy, boy's got no home learning. I really don't. But, I mean, that soup was good. You just got to tilt it back and let it rip. That's culture, right? Because we have different things. We have Pennsylvania Dutch food. We have Acme chicken. Oh, man, I said the name. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll give us some free chicken next week, right? Oh, that's awesome. Ask him for a couple extra legs next week. It's the uniqueness. All blended together. This is our culture. This is what we have. We have things from different places. I, let me just say this. I'll move on real quick. I always encourage people that come from other countries, that come to the United States legally. Like you're from Italy, right? You're from Italy. Our friend Loretta, she's from Italy. And so she has some really powerful stories to tell. I'm going to tell you something. I love me some Italian food. I'm not putting a hint out there. I'm just, I'm just saying if you come back, what can I say? Right? I want you to feel welcomed. Right? A little bit of stuffed shells, maybe. The manicotte. Just saying. Just putting that out there. Put, put. Oh, now see that? Now see, she's made it a bet. She's just said radio audience, she can cook anything you want. I'm going to take her up on that. I can eat a lot. This is pretty evident. So I always encourage people from other countries, if you speak another language, don't. You come here and you learn English, great. I want you to do that. Your native tongue. Well, please don't forget that. It's so important to value where you are and where you've been. Spirituality, number four. If you keep in the list, number four, four of six. Spirituality, faith, real faith. Man, I'm not talking about small S spirituality, as I said before. It's large S, not just because it's at the front. Large S, spirituality, capital S, the spirit of the living God. Faith in a living God, the real living God. It helps to form the foundation of the family, too. And the family builds the nation. Make sure you study, practice, and teach, too. Don't, don't be careless about what the spiritual part of your nature. Because it's what makes us who we are. Makes us who we are. We're different from dogs and cats and mice and birds. I'm a lot like an eagle, though, I have to think. Right? What do they call that? Spiritual? Spirit animal? I'm a sloth. I'm a three-toed sloth. Right? I have a beak on me. 
Amen, Wes. And I'm balding. But don't bump. Look, I'm saying this. Make sure you're not afraid to share your faith. Make sure you're not afraid to share your faith. Make sure your faith. Look, if your faith is authentic and worth practicing, then it's surely worth sharing. This is trending on the Internet, by the way. The next thing I'm about to say, I said it on Wednesday. I don't know how that happens. I don't, I don't know. I wish I knew how that happened and how to earn a living off of it, but apparently it's trending. This is, this is what I said Wednesday. This is what I'll say now. It, if your contention is that your faith is a private and confidential matter, then you don't have a life-affirming faith at all. What you really have, what you actually have is a secret. My faith is placed without reservation in the living and only Son of the only living God, Yeshua Hamashiach, and Adonai Elohim, Jesus the Messiah and God the Father. Nature and nature's God is my God, and I am not ashamed. Number four is don't forget about your spirituality, creator, every day. Every day. I tell you what, if you could, if you could talk to the center of all knowledge, the the center of all wisdom, the, the the creator God of everything. Well, why wouldn't you want to do that? I had the pleasure. This isn't in my sermon, but I'm just going to give you this because it's free. I had the pleasure of meeting one of the uh, the head the head engineer for. I'm not going to say the car, but it was a really, really, really technologically advanced car. It turned the American car uh, on the rear. I mean, it was, it was he, he, he took it to such another level, and now it's just really expanded. And I said, you know, I've been admiring this car and this particular model for a long time. Man, isn't it something? Now, I didn't know this when I was talking to him. We were, I saw one, and I said, man, we're riding motorcycles together. And I said, uh, Boy, that's some kind of vehicle. Then he goes, you really like it? What do you like about it? And I just told him, went on and on, and I was regaling it with all my knowledge. <laughs> you know it has 32 valves. You know that. You know it has more power-to-weight ratio. You know it gets 34 miles per gallon, even though it has 455 horsepower. You know, I'm going on and on. He goes, you really know a lot about that vehicle. Do you have one at home? I said, no, I'd like to have one, though. He said, yeah, I'm the head engineer of that. I'm one of the pe- people that invented that. And then I said, shut up, like five times, you know, come on, you're joshing me. He goes, no, I kid you not. I'm actually the lead engineer on that. So what do you think we talked about till about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning? Culture, car culture, right? Told me something I think I'll never forget. I said, how in the world are you so smart that you designed an engine and trans- a powertrain so advanced that it has turned the car manufacturing world? On its ear. How in the world did you do that? He says, let me tell you something. Don't, get, don't, don't give me too much credit. All I have to do is look outside and look at a tree. All I have to do is watch the, watch the clouds move. I know the breath behind that cloud. I know the person who saw the seed and put the seed and said, from this seed will come a tree that will be 100 feet tall, and one day it will provide shade to people. One day it'll provide a home for birds and squirrels and eagle, I'm hoping. One day it'll do that. He said, Man, don't get don't I don't get so full of myself that I think I'm all that because boy, I know the one that created all this stuff. Yeah, an engine and transmission is kinda cool, but 
I didn't even know. I didn't realize he was great. He just witnessed to me. He didn't know I was a Christian, which is sad, right? It's convicting. We rode together for a day and a half, didn't know I was a Christian. I was a little bit embarrassed about that, a lot of bit embarrassed about it. I'll never forget it, actually. And he just witnessed to me. He pivoted on me and witnessed to me and talked about the breath that blows the clouds. When I said, ooh, nature, nature's God. That's my God. I'm not ashamed. Number five, don't miss anything. You know what? I'm going to tell you the truth. If you if you listen to number one, be productive. It's easy if you do number one right to forget about number five. Don't miss anything. Don't work so hard. Don't work yourself to death so hard that you miss on the fun. I know lots of fathers who adore their children and their spouse. But their children don't adore them. The fathers work hard. Sometimes two, three jobs. Or they work in a coal mine. Or they work doing real hard work or 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 uh, turning over restaurants and, and homes and things. And they're working hard and doing all these things. They're a big executive, a big global company. And they don't get to see the kids because they're busy working. Because they say, hey, I want to provide. I want to provide. I want to provide. I want to. I want my kids and my spouse to have it better than than I have it. So that's why I work 80, 90 hours a week. That's why I do that. Hmm. Don't miss anything. Well, you don't want to miss your kid's game. Don't miss your kid's game, whatever you can do. Your kid plays basketball. Right? How's that looking? No. Pity. Don't miss, even if you're terrible at basketball, get out there and shoot the ball with them. Dribble with them. Find out what their weakness is. Get on that YouTube and watch the YouTubes of how to do this or that. Get out there. Don't make, one thing, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to talk about my mom one more time so we get through it without crying. My mother, little that she is, raised us pretty much by herself. My father worked a couple hours away. So he had a you know house in the northern end of the state. We lived down the southern end of the state. He would come home on the weekends. Till I was pretty far along. I was almost a teenager. I never knew what it was like, Dad, to be there all week long. I knew there was just two different lives. There was the loud, have fun life, and then there was the very quiet, don't say anything, don't look a certain way kind of life. You know, It was much more reserved when my dad got it. But my mom would get out there. I remember we she would hang clothes all the time on these, uh, what do you call them, clothesline. And then we put up these little sticks and we made uh, field goals. And mom got out there with us. She said, I can do that. My mom didn't watch any sports. She didn't do any sports when she was a kid. You know? but by the time she was young, she was out of school and working. She got out there and did it. Did she do it perfectly or well at all? No. But, man, was it fun. It was so fun. Hmm. Don't miss anything. Don't miss the game. Don't miss the performance. Don't miss the movie. Don't miss the dance. Just before my father died at 79 years old, 79 in a day, he and I had a conversation in the living room of the house I grew up in. The whole family was in the other room getting ready to have a meal. Unbeknownst to us, or we pretty much knew, two weeks later he would be gone. And I was sitting beside his hospital bed. Hospice was there. God bless those people. My friend D. D. Brock. Let me tell you what was no 
is there any more perfect person to be she runs hospices because she's an angel on earth and I sat there and I talked to my dad for what would be the last conversation that I would have with him and the sad part of it is not that that will be the last conversation but that the conversation was full of his life regret he regretted so many things 79 years of living a wife and five children and many many grandchildren and yet as he prepared to depart this world he knew he was leaving in the very front of his mind the fullest part of his mind it was overflowing with regret regret for what he did and what he didn't do i tell you what i want none of that regret when i die somebody said what if you die out there you're out taking pictures in the wilderness what if you die out there i said man i hope a bear comes and eats me <laughs> I, know. I know well let me die first I, i'd rather not die from a bear eating me but you know but I, i'm just saying you know I, I get out there and i do it as best i can i love it i love being out there. i get so much from it my kids we were all together on thanksgiving morning my son had to work right so lily and doyle i love seeing them together it's funny how a little tiny thing can pick on such a big boy. He plays along as though, yeah. Then they brag on their hair. I don't like that. That makes me, we both have nice hair. But I love seeing that. I love experiencing that, the laughter and seeing them joke with each other. I don't want to have any of that regret. I want to, I want to do it all, all the best I can. I don't want to miss anything if I can't help it. If I can't help it, I, I, want, I want to experience it. I come here, you know, early on when we when we started coming here. Uh, most of you know I could barely make it. Remember, I didn't I didn't stand. I couldn't stand. It was too much. Just couldn't do it. But I remember I was so excited about coming. I was so excited about seeing you folks. Not so much anymore, you know. But I'm just teasing. I love it every week. Every week, I love it every week. I don't want to miss anything if I can help it, and I never do want to miss this gathering. Go to everything worth seeing if you possibly can. Buy a ticket to everything worthwhile if you possibly can. Read every worthwhile book if you possibly can. Go see everything and experience all the good stuff that you possibly can. I know maybe you're thinking about Betty Claire. What a blessed lady. Hmm, so sweet. So sweet. She and I are of one accord. There's no point in a small bowl when you're having ice cream. But Betty Claire, you know, the last little bit of her life, she had uh, Alzheimer's. That's eventually what she died of. And, you know, she forgot almost everybody else. But that one right there walked in the room. She knew exactly who she was. And they talked about things that they did and experienced and all of that. Boy, and I had to say, that was a beautiful thing to witness. Powerful. Experience everything you can. Have every conversation that you can. Don't miss it. You just never know when that conversation just might be the last. You never do know. You never do know. Live a beautiful and vital life. Man, don't live halfway. Don't live halfway. If you live well, you'll earn peace well. If you live well, it'll show in your face. 
it'll show in the texture of your voice. There's going to be something unique and magical about you that other people are going to want to be around if you live well. People will want to be around you. They'll want to be your friend. It will infuse not only your personal life, but also your business and your professional life with joy and, oddly enough, productivity. It will give you a magnetic vitality that no one and nothing else but God himself can give. We made it all the way to number six. Your family in the inner circle. Let me tell you something. That's a tough one. Your family inner circle. How many in here have some family? Now, if you're next to the person in your family, that's the person I'm talking about, then you might not want to raise your hand. You just, do, just shoot me a little, shoot me a text or something. Uh, but how many here have family that that are toxic? You can raise your hand. Right? We have a lot of that, don't we? It's rampant. You know. It's rampant. your family and your inner circle. There's some in that that you're going to need to invest in. And you know what? If you invest in them, more than likely, they're going to invest in you. You try to inspire them, I bet you they'll end up inspiring you. Take care of the details within your inner circle. It's not always your blood relative, right? Your inner circle. My buddy Chuck, he's in my inner circle. My buddy Morty, he's going to his reward. He's, I'm telling you what, they let him out of that, they let him out of that, uh, what they call it over there. I forget the Hebrew name for it, but he's been long since gone. The what? It could be, but he's he's buried. He's he's in the wall. They let him out of there. He'll straighten up that fire business they got going on right now. I'm telling you that. I just love being around him. What a blessing. He was in my inner circle. I wish he'd have left me his camera, but that's a whole nother thing. He did donate it to charity, all of his equipment. He invested in me. I invested in him. I watched his camera one time so nobody would steal it. He didn't care. And he invested in me by be becoming a great, good friend. Pay attention to your people. Look, man, it sounds so crazy. Pay attention to your people. You say, well, this is not really a church sermon. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because in churches all the time, we don't pay attention to the hurting person that walks in. We don't do it. Right? We don't do it. Remember the story I told you about when I grew up? The lady came in. Wearing too short a skirt. She was scuffed knees. And she ended up walking out of there. She was obviously intoxicated. She walked out of there and she ended up getting hit by a car and killed. She was in a church. Could have saved her. I was just a little kid, but I knew enough then to point out the sneers and the high-mindedness. Could have saved that lady. Could have changed her life forever. Could have taken her to an eternity in Christ. Pay attention to your people. Pay attention to who and what they are because your family is your family and you are theirs. You ever think about that? Your family is your family, but you know what else, too? You're theirs. You're their family. You're their family. You know, when my father was alive, I used to call him. This is back during uh, part, of my, part of my time in my life. And I used to call him when I would travel. And some of the times I couldn't tell him where I was or what I was doing or what I was getting ready to do. Uh, he's better off not knowing. They're all better off not knowing. And you know, he wasn't much of a talker in person, but on the phone, he really wasn't a talker at all. But when he did talk, a little bit of what he did say, it was, it was worth listening to, generally. And I did. I, I learned a lot from my father. I had to fight to learn it. Like, I wish he would have taught me stir-fry. That's important. 
made the best stir fry ever in the world, all from scratch. Was most, you put it on a shoe, and it would taste good. I wish I'd learned that, but there's lots of other things I learned by watching and listening and really struggling to learn. I did learn a lot from my dad, but my mother, mm, I learned more from my mother. I learned a lot more from my mother because she chose to invest in me. My mom chose to invest in me. I can still hear many of the conversations I have with my mother and father. I thought of this. Uh, this was very important in my life right after, literally moments after my crash. I thought of this. Avraham Heschel said, something sacred hangs in the balance of every moment. I didn't know this at the time, but apparently I'd already been dead. Two different firemen had checked me. They said, nope, he's gone. The radio call came in. It's a double fatal, me and the other guy. But when I came to, when I was alive and alert, this is what popped into my head after I prayed. I said, man, I don't think I'm long for this world. I don't think you can have a crash like this and hurt as bad as I'm hurting and be going to be staying around. Something sacred hangs in the balance of every moment. We want to think that we have all the time in the world. We want to think that we're going to be at church next week. Right? We always say, see you next week. See you next week. Might not be it tomorrow, let alone next week. Something sacred hangs in the balance of every moment. Every conversation that you have might be the last one you have with this particular person, whether they go or you go. Somebody's going. I often wonder, does that conversation have with a smile? Or if you're in a real tough time in your life, real tough time in your life, did you hear them when they said, when you said, how you doing? And they said, how you doing? And they made that face that you knew they weren't doing well. But you know, you're in a hurry. You want to get lunch after church or get home, get to bed, whatever. You don't want to get in a big, long conversation. So you saw it. You saw that in their face. You saw their face I'm all right. How are you doing? But you didn't follow up. Eh, you're not very convincing. Got half a smile missing there. Where's the other half? Whatever's got you down is probably what's holding on to that other part of your smile. Down here and talk a little bit. Takes an investment. You have to invest in people. I'm reminded of this, what, what Mr. Roan said. If a lucky father walks out of his house and he can still feel his children and his loved wife's kiss on his face all day. He's a powerful man. Nothing he can't do. I'm telling you right now. Man still feel his loved wife's arms around him. And his children, I love you, Daddy. I see you when you get home. Boy, it never comes more clear than when I was a police officer. Boy, don't look, don't look so quickly at a police officer, male or female, and be so quick to judge them. Because every day when they leave, they don't know. They don't know. The lucky father walks out of the house, and he can still feel those arms around him, still feel that kiss. He's lucky, but he's powerful. If a lucky husband walks out of his house, and he can still feel the imprint of his love wife's arms around his body. He's invincible all day. All day. Look, it's the special stuff with your inner circle that makes you strong and powerful and influential. 
don't miss the opportunity. The greatest prophet and teacher of all time, Yeshua Hamashiach, said this, there are many virtues and values, but here's the greatest. One person caring for another. There's no greater value than love. So make sure in your busy day to remember the true purpose and the reasons you do what you do. I want you to truly, truly live the kind of life that will bring fruits and the rewards that you desire. It isn't always wealth. I know lots of people in this room, that's not their, they're not seeking wealth. A fellow there spends all of his time trying to help people that just got out of prison find their way. Sometimes he doesn't have two pennies rubbed together, but he'll give his one penny to help. He'll call all the people he knows. Hey, man, we got a guy here doesn't have any shoes. He needs shoes. We're trying to teach him. We're trying to get him a suit of clothes so he can apply for a job, or we're going to help him do this or that. We're on the work site teach him how to swing a hammer. Some folks, it's not money that they're looking for. There's some folks out there that have such a tremendous fear of them. I'm going I'm to share something with you. There's some folks out there right now, maybe some of you in this room, have such a fear of abandonment because you've been abandoned so many times. Might have started with your family. Maybe their face was buried in a bottle. Maybe they were angry. Maybe they never stopped yelling. Maybe they didn't care anything for all the stuff you want to do in school. A lot of folks have a lot of abandonment issues. They feel like everybody's going to let them down. I'm going to share something with you. This is as real as it gets. I'm that guy. I tell you what, I could be in a room full of thousands of people that stand when I finish speaking and give me the th most thunderous standing ovation ever. And I turn and walk around and I think, well, why in the world are they clapping? That wasn't my best work. Those people are pitying me. They feel bad I traveled all this way. All I had to give was that little bit. A lot of folks out there have a lot of abandonment issues. They're lonely. They're fearful. Look, this is, the I think, the day after the day after Thanksgiving. Isn't this the day after the day after Thanksgiving? I don't know, you, you that can still do math? The day after the day after the day after Thanksgiving? We still had turkey, though. On this day... I want you to take a few minutes and think on these six things. I want you to think on these things. If you didn't write anything down, you know, download the link. Save the link. You can listen to it anytime. Go to drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com, theninjapastor.com. Go over to listen. Just a few minutes after the engineers will have it all put together and listen to it. Share it with a friend. I just want you to take a few minutes to think on these six things. You never know. The turkey or if you have tofu, whatever. My daughter, tofurkey. It just might taste a whole lot better. Maybe by next Thanksgiving, you, you, you might have a whole different life. Or maybe by Christmas. Christmas is only a few weeks away. Here's a note. This is as real as it gets. To the folks who might have spent this Thanksgiving evening alone. Remember this, God never leaves you nor forsakes you. Maybe if you were alone this Thanksgiving night, maybe maybe making this list will be a big part of you not being alone by next Thanksgiving. And you know what? If you really pour it on, you do number one, super productive on your list. Not everybody's list is the same. But maybe you won't spend Christmas alone. 
there's some verses I think are powerful. Psalm 69, 29. Meanwhile, I am afflicted and hurting. God, let your saving power raise me up. I will praise God's name with a song and extol him with thanksgiving. Folks, sometimes we, we miss out on all this joy and all this greatness because we're so busy looking here, earth level, for thanks living, that we forget to look up at nature and nature's God, God. Adonai Elohim, the creator of all, and to praise him. We, we are hurting. This is a broken world. My friends, this is a broken world. It is. Any disagreement? This is a broken world. We saw that in the election and the post-election. It's a broken world. I will praise God's name with a song and extol him in thanksgiving. Psalm 147.7, sing to Adonai with thanks. Sing praises on the lyre to our God. Maybe sometimes when you're so down and slow, maybe working on this list is going to wear you out emotionally. And you say, man, I, I can't take another hurt. I can't take another heartbreak. I can't take another abandonment. I can't lose another mother. I can't lose another father. I can't lose another job. I can't face another diagnosis that I can't face. I can't spend another lonely, lonely day and a lonely night. Sing praises on the lyre to our God. Sing to Adonai with thanks. Second Corinthians 9. He who provides both seed for the planter and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed and increase the harvest for your Zedekah. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in everything. And through us, your generosity will cause people to thank God. Because rendering his holy service not only provides for the needs of God's people, but it also overflows into the many thanks people will be giving to God. Remain deeply rooted in him. Boy, that's spirituality, isn't it? Remain deeply rooted in him. Continue being built up in him and confirmed in your trust the way you were taught so that you overflow in thanksgiving. Indeed, how can we thank God enough for you or express to God all the joy we feel because of you? Is there somebody out there in your life that is just like this this uh, Talmudim or, or, or disciple who said, man, I just thank God for all of y'all. They hit southern accents there. I don't know if you know. I thank God for all of y'all. I thank God. Oh, my goodness, y- y'all are the best. You folks are the best. Thank you so much. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you a secret. If Dee and Larry are listening, I-, I love going to their home. It's a beautiful home. It's decorated impeccably. Larry is the, the man can make anything. I mean, it's just unreal. He's, he's not even a professional woodworker, but he ought to be. But that's not the greatest thing. They have like a 20-some-foot Christmas tree. Those of you who look at my promotional picture, if you ever book me for an event, a lot of times you'll see that picture with the Christmas balls behind me. Well, that was shot in their living room. That Christmas tree goes about 15 feet higher than my head. It's huge. It's not bad. It's not the beautiful home. It's not the, the lovely life that they've worked so hard for. It's them. It's them. You know Dean and Larry. She's shaking heads. You know Dean and Larry. Some shaking heads. Man, I'm telling you what. You and that kind of – the love that they give you, from the second you walk through the door, you feel like, mm, I don't ever want to leave. I don't ever want to leave these. I love them so much. They've sowed so much into my life. How can we thank God enough for you or express to our God all the joy we feel because of you? Every night, when I go sleep in the parish room, they have rooms named after all the different places where they are, and they have pictures because they're both 
Larry is a phenomenal photographer. Their son, Chris, is one of the best photographers in the United States, literally. They have these pictures, these photographs all on the wall. Every every room has this, has, I don't remember what room Doyle stays in, but I stay in the parish room. When I go in there, every single time I go, I hit my knees. I say, mm, thank you, God, for friends like these. Oh, my goodness. How did I ever get so lucky? I do the same thing in your house. How did I get so lucky? I thank God for all of you. Second Chronicles 5.13. I better get moving. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. The singers raised their voices and praised the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. Listen, folks, you don't have to be a great singer. We have excellent musicians in this place tonight. We have phenomenal musicians in this place. But I'm telling you, you don't have to be a phenomenal musician to sing praises to God that he says, oh, listen to my child singing. I love that sound. Could be off on every note. Doesn't matter. You're singing praises to him. Oh, my goodness, what could be better than that? What could be better than that? 2 Corinthians 4.15, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Sometimes we ask ourselves the wrong question. We ought to be asked, why am I doing this? Whatever it is I'm doing, why am I doing it? Why am I doing it? So that grace is reaching more and more people? Are you that bumper sticker that walks around that doesn't match, right? Follow me to joy of Christ church, right? And then the person cuts you off and waves at you with their angry finger, you know? It's incongruent. The two don't match. Or are you that person that you're in the grocery and you see somebody struggling with their buggy? They're just having the hardest time, you know, and then it's stuck. They're hung up. They got a bad buggy, you know, one with the bad wheel. Yeah, I always change that one. That drives me crazy. I can't take it. I'll go through 10 of them before I get one that works. Plus, I like to run and jump on and ride as long as I can, which freaks people out because I do tend to fall. But it's worth it. I'm the one that breaks the wheels, big old, big old 250-pound fella. I'm busted. I'm busted. Man, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. My goodness, folks, what, don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to be that person? People say, man, I hope that person bumps into me with their buggy. I just want to talk to them. I, I watched this person. At first I thought they were crazy because singing all the time. But then I matched it up with the smiling, and then I thought, well, they must be rich. Then I looked at the clothes they were wearing. Clearly they're not rich. Or they're poor dressers for rich people. Then I looked in their buggy, and they doggone sure aren't rich because they would be getting fancier stuff. Why are they so happy? Is that you? Maybe you're the one looking around. I'd like to see some happy people today. I just would to God that I'd bump into somebody happy. Be that person. Second Corinthians 9.11 You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me tell you something else about the Brocks. Dean and Larry. Now, they're going to be mad with me, by the way, for mentioning them. But I love them. 
they give me little welcome baskets, right? This is where I learned this. When I go to like a fancy hotel, you know, your fancy guest, they do that. Now, it, it's they do that for everybody, and I know they love me, but they do it for everybody. But I like to think they put a little extra time in their uh, in the basket. Well, one time, uh, D put in my basket this Cento tomato paste before I couldn't eat tomatoes. I didn't know I couldn't eat tomatoes until the doctor told me can't eat tomatoes, which if those of you know me, I love tomatoes. And Larry says, D, why'd you, why'd you put tomato paste in there? She goes, he'll like it. Hey, just right out of the tube. Right out to, it's the best thing ever. It's like candy to me. Oh my goodness, it's good. And she knew that. She knew. She knew. She knew me to know what I would like. I would like weird stuff. That's what I'd like. Enriched in every way, so you could be generous. Man, it's not. It's not. I don't know how much that pace cost. I don't know how much it cost. It's, it can't be that expensive. It's not that much. Nothing in that basket was fancy or expensive. I'm telling you right now, though, it means the world. I love it. I love it. I just, it's the simplest little thing. He gave me, he gave me my first excess and my, uh, and every time I go to his house, you know, which flavor would you like? You know, we eat breakfast. We do breakfast now. You, not that hard to tell from looking at me, but we do some breakfast. But that kind of generosity, that simple little thing, it's, it's a few dollars. It goes your heart when it comes from Thanksgiving. Let me do this. Jeremiah thirty nineteen. From them will come songs of thanksgiving and the sound of rejoicing. I will add to their numbers, and they will not be decreased. I will bring them honor, and they will not be disdained. Nehemiah 12, 46 through 47. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there have been directors for the musicians and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed to the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside portion for the descendants of Aaron's. And then Psalm 9-1, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, I'm hoping this. I'm hoping that this is the first of many thanks livings. Join us on Wednesday at 4 p.m. I'd be glad to chat with you again then. Thank you so much for joining me all around the world. Send me a note at, at uh, smgreener at gmail.com or go to drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com or wherever, any of those places, and send me a message. Let me know you were blessed. I sure appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you 
for joining us in this fight.